Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here today with David Henderson. And we are here to discuss, uh, David, your sermon from this past Sunday, A Life Empowered, uh, from John 14, verses 15 through 18, John 14, 26, John 15, 26 and 27, and John 16, 12 to 15. Yep. <laughs> right. I'm like, I have to write all that down, make sure, because there were significant points in each one of those uh, clusters of verses because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, and we've, we have talked about this several times over the course of our sermon discussions um, that we are called to live an impossible life. Yes. And that's how you started your sermon. <laughs> yes. And both sides of the equation are true. Uh, because it's impossible, it doesn't mean we're not called to it. Because we're called to it, doesn't mean we're capable of doing it on our own. Yeah, and I, it's this lived experience that I think we all have of mm -hmm. the Christian life, which can so easily lead to, as I mentioned in the sermon, to one of two responses: like, okay, I've got this, I can do this, and it becomes a works righteousness thing, and and it, it's not faith at all. It's not trusting in Him. It's just what I do on my own effort, mm -hmm. or just going. <laughs> Why even bother? Why try? I keep, mm -hmm. I keep trying and failing. And then we just sink into this kind of, oh, well, just going to trust. It's all his. And I'm not really going to give myself to this life that he calls me to give everything to. Yeah. That giving up leads to a faith that's disconnected from life. I had never thought of or it. Or life that way. that's disconnected. Yeah, that's yeah. From faith. One of the two options. Right. Yeah. Either way, it's disconnected. And yeah. um, you know, we say one thing and we're living another, which then undermines our integrity as as followers of Christ, as people. As I, I, that's exactly right. And Michelle, you know, we've talked around the table, the the lead team at staff a number of different times uh, in recent years about what accounts for the difference between some people in the body of Christ whose, whose faith trajectory looks like this. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and it's, it really looks more like this, but it's, it's an upward. Right. And then those whose faith trajectory looks like this, mm. where it's, I go and I get to a certain point and it's like, that's, I don't go past that. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if this bend right here happens because of this particular tension that I addressed in this sermon, I get to this place mm -hmm. where I go, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted from trying or I'm exhausted and discouraged from failing. And that's, it's real. And I think every person comes to that place often. I mean, and for honest, we come to that juncture every day at some point. At multiple times a day. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. because, um, it is, uh, you know, we read in John 15, obey my commands. You know, though, if you love me, you'll obey me. And yeah. we're like, oh yeah, I love you. I'm going to obey you. And then we, we, we 
end it there. We don't keep reading to where Jesus says, and I'm sending you an advocate. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, which is imperative to your obedience. Yes. Or who yes. is, I should say, who is yes. the Holy Spirit right. is a person who is imperative to our obedience or ability yeah. to obey, to obey. Yeah. And I would have, I would have loved to have had opportunity in this series, and this would be a great one for us to circle back to actually do a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. We haven't done that in a number of years mm-hmm. and go more deeply in each of these different passages. But what you were just laying out was exactly what I was trying to step back and say, all right, why does he talk about the spirit at all? This is the church's charter. Why this theme? There are so many themes he touches on in his three years of ministry. Why is this one of the few things that he chooses to zero in on, on the night when he says, I'm staying here. You guys are going on. I'm sending you into the life of the church. I'm inaugurating the church. And here are the few things I want you to keep in mind as you go. Why, why this? So I really try to get at the overview. What does all this have in common? And what, what you just said is exactly um, getting at the heart of it, that we can't do it without him. We, can, we mm-hmm. can't live the life he calls us to without him. And we can, not perfectly, but we can with him. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is why the Holy Spirit is imperative to our life as a believer. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just want to go over a little bit um, what Jesus told us about the Holy Spirit, like how he described the Holy Spirit. And the first word he uses is advocate Mm -hmm. um, or translated into English as can be translated as advocate. Um, And I liked what you said, like the imagery of the courtroom that there's an accuser and the Holy Spirit is our advocate defending us. Um, yeah, which is pretty remarkable. I mean, we're actually in two weeks, we're going to be talking about the really hard issue that the disciples face and that we continue to face today of the opposition that we face as followers of Christ in the world and how the world doesn't understand Jesus, doesn't understand the spirit and responds to us oppositionally rather than with mm-hmm. not the whole world, but individuals within it respond with faith, with welcome. But the world as a whole is a belief structure that leaves God out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, responds with hostility so it you know he's anticipating that we are going to be walking through life facing accusation as christians and facing shortfall sh- facing shortcoming facing uh difficulty and that all these pictures of in your difficulty i am there to strengthen you in your shortcoming i am there to provide for you to help you and in, in this climate of accusation and hostility, I am there to protect you and to mm. defend you and to uphold the truth of uh, what you've given your life to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And I, in our community group on Sunday morning, someone said, I have, I have a good friend, not me personally, but this other person said she has a good friend who is a public defender. Mm. And she said, you know, sometimes my friend has to defend clients she knows are guilty. She doesn't want to because she knows they're guilty, but she has to because that's her job. And here we have the Holy Spirit who is our advocate, who knows we are guilty and still wants to defend us. Oh, is that rich? That's so good. That's so good. I was like, thank you for sharing. When you think of that echoing of 
God creates the world knowing we will rebel like, and, and humanity, knowing we will rebel against him. Uh, Jesus dies for us. And for a good man, a, a person might possibly consider dying, but here we are sinful people who've turned our backs on him. And yet he, he gives himself in that way. And then the same thing here with the spirit. I mean, the parallel mm-hmm. is so striking that we are the undeserving and yet the bountifully poured out upon ones. Mm -hmm. grace upon grace upon grace yeah that's a a really great image I love that yeah I loved it too I was really glad that she shared that um the other the other way Jesus describes the spirit the Holy Spirit is that he is the spirit of truth Hmm. and I love that you defined truth as more than just true statements more than just uh moral standards by which we live um but you defined it in a more, in a broader way. Yeah. And I, and I hope it's, uh, it's uh, consistent with a biblical way of thinking that truth, the truth is never merely just true statements, but is this whole way of it, it's whatever conforms with what actually is that mm. there is a God. So what's true is it takes the, the presence of person of God into account. There is a spirit supernatural realm. So what's, if I see truth, I see that realm and I include it. I believe that it's real and that I'm meant for it and, mm. and so on. And, and I've been thinking about this a lot. I mean, you'll, you'll recognize that this goes back and echoes some of the conversations we had as we were doing the Colony of Heaven series. And then I did, as I did some of that equipping coming out of that, um, I've just been thinking more and more that the fundamental place of collision between the world and followers of Christ is our understanding of truth in this wider sense. What, what is ultimately real? We had this conversation in our community about what is an appropriate way to have a conversation with a young person uh, related to areas of sexual attraction and, and gender identity. And uh, the entire ordinance that was coming to the city was what, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> was based on the assumption that all that's true is what you can see. It's just mm. uh, science is the only way to verify um, truth. And, and so it leaves out the entire moral and spiritual dimensions in, from the conversation. And the way I chose to weigh in on that was to say, wait, there is this, I'm persuaded. And there are a number of people in the community, a majority of people in the community who are also persuaded that there is a spiritual realm, that there is a personal God that we need to, um, that we need to take into account as we live our mm. lives. Yeah. So, and I love this picture that the spirit of truth brings us into that. You know, we, we can feel like we're crazy people. Is there really a God, this invisible being? Is there really this realm that we can't see? Is there really a heaven? Is there really Mm. a universal moral code? We can just feel like, did I just make all this up? Right. And the spirit is the one who reminds us of the truth of it, persuades us afresh of the truth of that. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's it's not groupthink. It's the spirit of God bringing us into truth. Yes. And I think of, um, as we talk about this, about the idea of the spirit of truth, I'm just reminded of Jesus in front of Pontius Pilate when Pilate says, what is truth? And I want, I want to say back to him, no, that's the wrong question. The question is who is truth? And he is standing in front of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's interesting. Even as you raise that passage, Michelle, because 
I mean, you remember what's happening there is there is a representative of the king standing before this seeming imposter mm-hmm. claiming to be a king. And Jesus is speaking about the truth. And what is truth? There is a spiritual realm. And the person standing before you is the king of that spiritual realm. Uh, you know, I, 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 that is exactly the, this wider, deeper meaning of the word truth, of what really is, what really is true, who is mm-hmm. really seated on the throne. Mm-hmm. And our lives will yeah. be radically different if we are persuaded of the reality of that other realm that is more true than the, and real than this physical realm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just, and it also reminds me of the beginning of chapter 14. I am the way Jesus says, I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and again, it's a, another argument or proof of uh, the Trinity three in one mm-hmm. that Jesus and the Holy spirit are one. And I love that the Holy Spirit will remind you, will remind us of what Jesus says and will guide us into all truth. Yeah. That just every time I feel like I don't know what to say, I don't know how to respond. I don't know what the next step is. I think, okay, no, I don't, but God does. And yes. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me and I can ask him for direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, both those dimensions of reminding us and equipping us, you know, we've talked, I've, we've talked before, and I use the phrase in this sermon of how we all have spiritual amnesia. That's part of the human condition. We all Mm -hmm. are leaky buckets with spiritual things. We've become so persuaded of it. I've had this incredible experience with God in my devotional time this morning. And 43 minutes later, I'm in the middle of a meeting and I've just lost track of all of that. And I don't remember who I am or who he is or how he's in that picture. We all have that Mm -hmm. spiritual amnesia. So for him to keep filling our leaky buckets faster than our buckets leak, is part of that. He will just keep bringing us into what we keep losing sight of. But then the equipping is so important as we think about turning around as the people of God and, and sharing our faith with the world around us, which is so, so central in the upper room discourse. It's a theme that comes up again and again of how our witness is made known to the world Mm -hmm. To, to think that he is the main spokesperson concerning himself and he uses us as exhibit A. This, see, this is what it looks like when a person's life is yielded up to me. See, this mm-hmm. is what it looks like when God inhabits a human being, um, which um, is an amazing and humbling thought. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that he is the one who equips us for our witness. And that, that's, you know, some of, it's so simple in some ways, what we are calling the Covenant Church family to right now of just love your neighbor. How? I don't know, make it up as you go along, follow God's promptings, pray, ask him to make it clear, do the simplest thing, carry a person's trash can back up to their house after the trash trucks have gone by, uh, pick up, uh, you know, I mean, what, whatever, just find it, find it, strike up a conversation, figure out, you find out something's going on in their family, jot them a note and leave it for them or, you know, what, whatever, those small things can lead to such large things. And I don't know how it happens, but as the spirit gives testimony through our availability and our stumbling, bumbling efforts, mm-hmm. he testifies to the truth of himself. Yes. Glory to God. I love that that yes. pressure is on him and not on me. I just get to be available and take a step yeah. of risk and, yeah. and see how the spirit will work. Yes. 
that is, I, I, and we've said, I've said this before, like, it's just, it's so easy to say, I, I need a prescription, right? I need to know exactly how to love my neighbor. I need a prescription. I need to know exactly how to follow Jesus. And, and Jesus says, no, it's not a prescription. It's a relationship. And I want you to be silent. I want you to be still so that you can hear my voice so that I can direct you when to step forward and when to wait and how to step forward and how to wait. And, um, that's a lot harder. Yes. Than a prescription. Than a prescription. Yes. Or a formula. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And that, that anticipates next Sunday's sermon, which is all on abiding. Um, and it, you just summed up exactly what, what he said. So I love that. Yeah. I, um, I loved the way you ended the sermon, which was the secret of the Christian life is that it is the life being lived in us with which we need to cooperate. Yeah. I just, I yeah. thought, man, that's, that's kind of hard to wrap my mind around. I have to think yeah, about that for is. a while. It is. But if we, so one of the other, and we didn't touch on this, but the third name Jesus uses in the upper room discourse for the spirit of God is the Holy spirit, meaning the divine, mm. this is the spirit is God. And then to, to think of the absolutely boggling beyond our capacity to, to take in uh, reality that this, that God himself takes up residence in our hearts. Mm-hmm. If that is really true, then life, you know, it's the beginning of John's gospel in him was life. And that life is the light of men. Now in me is life, um, the life giving spirit of God. So yeah, somehow I'm just, it's like the, the, the electrical generator is inside of me and all I need to do is flip the switch that gives access to that electricity through my whole being. The, <laughs> the person is in me wanting to live his life in me and through me for the sake of others. And, uh, and it's just, yeah, cooperation. I'm so convinced that that's the key to obedience it's key to christlikeness it's the key to love it's the key to personal transformation and sanctification it's the key to everything on that list that i went through at the start of the list of all these things jesus calls us to is me cooperating because the Mm -hmm. spirit is always already wanting to do those things in and through me Mm -hmm. so i and we've we've talked about we've come back to this so many times but i just think that simple yes to god simple and so hard costing me my life each time I do it but um, right right yes so I'm reminded of two things um first in a conversation I had with Brentley recently I think was the last one I had he said something about you know Jesus doesn't ask for just part of us right he asks for all of us and that's a huge ask and so we can't be surprised when uh when our neighbors are put off by that or when people who may be spiritually interested decide to go the other way (laughs) like no that that's not for me because it's a huge ask um and he asked that of us as well and all the time all the time every day and then the second thing that i'm reminded of is rob's phrase that he's used several times to to describe the life in christ 
which is, it's not willful obedience. I am going to do this because I love you, Jesus. It is a willing surrender Hmm. or a willing cooperation. And that I'm constantly reminded of that because I tend personally, I tend to be the one who's like, yeah, no, I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do instead of sitting back and saying, uh, I want you, God, to do this through me. Mm. Yeah. Julie Williams um, and I have talked several times about spiritual insights about being somebody who raises and trains and rides horses. Mm. Uh, Not me, her. Right. Um, And and the incredible difference between a stubborn horse and a horse that doesn't cooperate. I remember going riding in Colorado with a horse and the horse tried to throw me off when I did a jump. And I mean, I, the guy described it, he said, yeah, that's exactly what it did. It got, came up to this and breaks throw, hoping it would throw you off. Um, you know, that that's a picture of that stubbornness, but then the beauty of a horse that is responsive to the lightest touch, uh, the lightest nudge of a heel, the lightest tug on a rein or whatever, even just the body lean and, and that uh, unity of purpose of the mm-hmm. rider and the horse. Mm-hmm. And, and that's to me such a great picture of when, what happens when we have fully surrendered our will to Jesus. And then it becomes that beautiful horse on which he rides. Um, and, and then it, 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 it um, strides in, in full cooperation with, with him. Uh, and, and then the, the ugliness of the stubbornness. It, it, it's interesting. I've, I've shared this in a sermon and it, it's, it's kind of odd to say because it sounds like it's about me, but I mean, you'll hear when I share it, it is absolutely not about me. Um, I had a neighbor uh, down the street come up um, and he's somebody I'd spent a lot of time with off and on over a number of years. And he was walking by and I just saw him outside the front door. The door happened to be open. I just waved to him and he stopped and came up to my door. He said, hey, I've, I've been wanting to ask you a question. Um, would you, would you speak at my funeral? And, hmm. I, and I said, I, I, first I said, I hope you don't have any plans soon. And, and he said, no, <laughs> I don't. I'm, um, but I just was thinking about that. And I, um, and I'd really like you to speak at my funeral. And, and this guy is an atheist. Um, he's, hmm. and, and he's been quite open about his atheism that he doesn't share any of the basic beliefs that I have, but constantly keeps coming back to, to wanting to talk more about spiritual things. And I, I said, I said, why, why in the world would you ask me to speak at your service? And he said, he said, uh, because you're such a good man. And I said, no, actually, I'm not. But I follow a good Lord, and it is my joy to live my life for Him. And he said, that's why I asked you, because of the way your life is surrendered to Him. It's like this is an atheist describing this beauty of a horse. Uh, somehow he has gotten glimpses of a horse being yielded to the rider and it's, and it's prompting and nudging. And, wow. and I think there is a beauty. This is exactly what Paul's getting at in second Corinthians chapter two, where he talks about, uh, about us being led in triumphal procession before Jesus. We are the, we are the conquered enemy. We are brought into submission, led in captivity in front of him and our having been made captive it says, brings glory to the one who, who um, captured us hmm. and conquered us. And from that, uh, from that posture of, of having been conquered, the fragrance 
of the knowledge of Jesus goes out into the world. So there is a, we don't tend to think of this, but the, the very ways in which I am a surrendered being hmm. are the most compelling parts of my witness. When somebody sees me and goes, wow, God is using you. I don't even, I don't even have categories for that, but that's what I see in your life. Your life is yielded hmm. to God because hmm. that's why God made us. That's why God made everybody, including my atheist neighbor to live a life yielded to him. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, I I love the connection you made with surrender in this. That's so important. Opening up, yielding, inviting the yes it is also all a, a full surrender. Yes, a full surrender. And it's, it's being conquered. It's, it's being, it's surrendering. I love that. Yes, that, that is, yes, saying yes, that spreads the fragrance of God. Yes. Which yes. is so opposite from what the world expects could that not be on the more op opposite on the end of the spectrum of what the world thinks yeah. a beautiful life is yeah yeah it just brings me back to isaiah your ways are not my ways are not your ways god's ways are not our ways his yeah. thoughts are not our thoughts yeah and what's that whole captain of my soul something you know that oh, whole that's yeah. the ultimate of it it's me in charge of my own will doing what i want to do Right. It's a life emptied of self, given over to God. And that's the beautiful life. And yeah. This. yeah. Amen. May that be so of us. May that May be so it of be me. So. Yes. I, yes. May it be so. And I think that's a great place to end. That's awesome. All right. And I just, that's, that's my prayer for you and for me and for the covenant family. As we go through this day, as we go through the, the week. What does it look like for us to cooperate with the full surrender and yielding of our will to this amazing, gracious God who gave us life and invite us to live it for him? Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, well, we are going to be taking a couple weeks off of our sermon discussions. I'm out of town next week and you're out of town the week after that. And so um, we will be back Right in April, how how crazy is that? <laughs> really, I'll say. I know. Well, just for the Covenant family, as you are, as we're not together during these couple of weeks, just would encourage you to find a time each week, uh, e uh, at some point each week, to just read the whole Upper Room Discourse uh, at one sitting from beginning mm. to end. Just get, continue to do that, chapters thirteen through seventeen in John's Gospel, and next week specifically, uh, the message this coming Sunday will be on the whole uh, theme of, of abiding and bearing fruit and the relationship between those things in the Christian life, the first half of John 15. And then the, the whole second part, uh, or the, the message two weeks from now will be on this, this uh, the friction of our relationship with the unbelieving world and how God calls us to live a life of love in our witness and wrestle with some really hard questions. What does love mean? And what does love look like in that kind of hostile environment? And mm -hmm. how does the spirit equip us to live a life of love? And, and what is the nature of our witness and response uh, when we encounter hostility? So I, I think that'll be very practical and very pertinent for us. So look for mm. those themes in your uh, weekly readings. Great. Thank you. Thank you, David, for to be with you spending always. time with us today. And thank you to our audience. 
whether you've joined us live on Facebook or uh, later on our blog or on our podcast, we are grateful that you spent some time with us today. Have a great day.